reading from 1 John 1 through to 2 verse 2. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Amen. Thanks, Ted. I want to pray again. I just want uh, us to focus in on this passage. So let's, let's bow and pray. Father, uh, we do recognise that uh, on this special day, uh, we should come to understand better what you have done for us. Teach us now, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Well, look, uh, first of all, I'm going to uh, say to you all, Happy Easter. I'm a little early, I know, but and congratulations. Uh, you've made it to church on Good Friday, early church, 8.30, hey? Um, and look, uh, I know that many of you are going to be joining with family over this weekend, and, and I and my family pray that you'll have a great time together. Uh, families are special aren't they? Uh, they're precious, 
And they're both uh, fragile and strong. You know, we're born into families or sometimes adopted by a family. And families, they live and exist on commitment and trust. It's what holds them together. And we do almost anything for our families. And yet, families can come to an end. We can walk away from them. Uh, people can leave families. And I'm certain you know how it happens. You know, they stop calling and then they only show up on Christmas and Easter and we call them the black sheep, don't we? And you get to wondering whether they're really part of the family at all. John. John opens his gospel, the gospel of John, telling us that all who receive Jesus, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, to be part of God's family. But how do you know who's part of God's family? And how do you know, dare I say, if you, are you? If you're part of God's family. You might feel like you're part of the family, but what has God the Father actually said about that? Well, the letter that John wrote, wrote, 1 John, that letter, it's all about giving assurance to Christians. It's about telling Christians how they can know they're part of the family. This is how you know. And if you read this letter, you'll notice throughout the letter, he uses family language. Father gets used. Son, children. It's family words that he's talking about. So I want you to come with me. I want you to dive in with me. Let's have a look at the foundations of God's family. Uh, firstly, I'm going to say, look, we see that God's family, like all families, has a history. A history which gives the family a close bond, a shared connection. We call it fellowship. A history which involves some soul searching, actually, for the family. A history which calls for family members to own up to the wrong that they've done. A history where forgiveness is freely given to those who confess. A history where a death in the family, the death of Jesus on the cross, is remembered as being, well, it's valuable and precious and, and it's the reason why the family holds together. And, and John... John stresses this history. These are the facts about Jesus, you see. No, these are not legends. They're not theories. They're not philosophies. And so as John starts his letter, he says, look, I'm writing to remind you about the real Jesus, the Jesus I saw and I touched, I heard, the real Jesus who came from God. The one I followed on dusty roads. The one we disciples ate and drank with. John was there with him. Saw his life, saw his death, saw his resurrection. And that's the foundation 
for John's message. And that's the foundation of God's family. Now follow along. Look at what he says, verse 1, here in his letter. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard. They heard Jesus when he told those parables. Which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The word of life is Jesus. John had hands-on experience with Jesus. This is eyewitness news, real eyewitness news. And you can read all about it in John's Gospel, the fourth Gospel, which is at the beginning of the New Testament. And John tells us he was there when John the Baptist pointed to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John was there. John was there and heard Jesus say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John saw Jesus open the eyes of a man born blind. John was there when Lazarus was raised to life. John was there at that Passover meal. Ate the bread, drank the wine, had the roast lamb and the bitter herbs. John was there when Jesus was arrested in the garden. During that arrest, John saw Peter cut off the ear of the high priest's servant and then saw Jesus heal it back up again. And while Jesus was dying on the cross... Jesus connected John with his mother Mary so that John would care for her. John heard Jesus' words on the cross when he said, It is finished. And then he died. And John saw and looked upon Jesus as he died. John was there when one week and three days after Jesus' death, Jesus showed Thomas the wounds in his hands and the wound in his side. And John even ate fish and chips with Jesus on the shore a few days after that. Uh, I like fish and chips. and Maybe you might get to have some family fish and chips over the weekend. I don't know. And what John writes about in his letter builds on John's experience, which he wrote about in his gospel. And John actually uses similar language in both. John talked about light and life in the gospel, and John talks about them again here in his letter. Verse 2, have a look. It's the real Jesus who's the source of life, eternal life. Life with the Father in heaven. Remember, John saw that, well, saw what Jesus did to Lazarus, raised him from the dead. And John saw Jesus come back to life as well. The real Jesus who was with the Father, he came to earth, he died in our place. And this is what John has proclaimed. This is the message. Good Friday is the message. And so if you're going to be part of God's family, 
Then you need to take notice of the ones who were there, he says, who were commissioned to bring the news of eternal life to us. Uh, Look at what he says in verse 3. He says, the whole reason I'm telling you this, the whole reason I'm writing this to you, and he is talking to us as well, is so you'll know the real Jesus, which is the only way into the fellowship with John and the other apostles and all with the Father who is in heaven and the Son as well. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father, that family language, and with his Son, more family language, Jesus Christ. And let me say to you, if you don't have that close family bond with God the Father, then you're not going to be in heaven with the Father. And the way to fellowship with the Father, the way to have a close family bond with the Father who is in heaven, and it's the only way, is by knowing Jesus The way into the Father's family is to know the truth about Jesus given in the Bible. It's the family history. See, the family history is that Jesus gave his life for the family. I mean, that's massively good, isn't it? And very precious, isn't it? To have one in the family who gave up his life for the others. That's why we call this Good Friday, a holy day that's so good for us. And why, as John says in verse 4, we can have joy, actually. We can rejoice on this day. The history, verse 5, which we proclaim, shows the goodness of God. You see it there? God is light. That's what that's saying. God's really good. He's light. And God's different to us. There's no darkness in him. I have darkness. I think we've all got darkness. I know we've all got darkness. Which is why in verse 6, for us to keep walking in darkness, to keep claiming to have fellowship with God while, well, ignoring Jesus or doing things our own way, John says, look, it's just living a lie, actually. You're not part of the family. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we say one thing but do something different, then we just prove that we've got darkness. But if we say we're part of the family and we live like Jesus, trusting the Father, then we're true to God as well as being true to ourselves. And according to verse 7, we have that family fellowship. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. But did you see that? The last bit of the verse, 
when we live like we should in God's family, then Jesus will fix things up, clean out all the darkness from me, from you. Jesus will clean out all the sin. This is the family history. And why this history is actually so important and so precious. Remember, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what Jesus did when he died on the cross on Good Friday. And that's when the exchange was made. You know, like I was talking to the boys and girls, Jesus, who knew no sin, was made to be sin so that we might become right with our Father in heaven. It was a simple exchange, really. You can put like this, the lamb dies and I get to live. The lamb dies and I get to live. Look, this really only works if you have sin. This only works if you have darkness in you. And some of you are probably thinking, well, this isn't for me then. I'm okay. But I do want you to think hard about this. You know, think about, let's say, the greatest commandment. You remember that, do you? The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God. Think about loving God. And, and think about the second greatest commandment. You know, love your neighbour as yourself. So, so I'm asking, how do you go in the love for God department? How do you go in the love for God department? You probably say, oh, I don't hate him. But that's not the question, is it? Do you love him? Do you love him like you'd love a good father? No? Well, then you've sinned. Well, what about loving your neighbour? You know, do you love your friends who talk to you about Jesus? And, you know, picture the scene. You know, they, they just live up the road. And you're having one of those holiday street barbecues. And these Christian friends, they start pulling their barbecue down the street. They're going to join with you. For, and in your mind, you think, you, your mate and your barbie, out of here. Is that what you think about Christians? If that's how you think about Christians, then, well, you're not loving your neighbour. That's sin. And John, he's really saying, hey, guys, you need to think about this. And if you look at verses 8, 9 and 10, there's three verses there. They all start with an if. If then. And he says, look, if you do this, look at verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If you claim to be without sin, John says, you're kidding yourself. Come on. The truth is not in you. You're deluding yourself. You're living a lie. 
If you're thinking that the problem is with oh, the political system or the economic system or it's somebody else and they did it, John says, perhaps you need to rethink that. See, really, by nature, the problem is me. You know, this is my sin, you know. I'm out for number one. I'm greedy. I'm selfish. At heart, I can be dishonest when it suits me, lustful, arrogant, bitter, angry, spiteful, vengeful, heartless, ruthless. And that's my list, by the way. You get your own. And if you want to know how to get your own list, take a look in the mirror. That's all you've got to do. Okay, I'm a sinner. So, so what's the solution? Well, that's verse 9. This is how God the Father works. If, another if statement, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Admit you've got a sin problem. And God, incredibly, will not only just forgive, but he'll wipe away every stain. Cleanse you from unrighteousness as well. And by his spirit, I'm going to say, empower the start of a whole new life as part of God's family. Because of Jesus, who died and rose, who John saw and heard and touched, Jesus, who died on the cross. It's the answer to the sin problem. Jesus' death is the way to be, well, cleansed from our uncleanness, to have the darkness removed, to be given light, to be purified from sin, whose blood was the sacrifice that does all of that. It's precious, isn't it? So precious to have a family member who does that for us. And now look, I know and John knows that we really all do act like little children. You know how it goes. No, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. But John doesn't pull any punches here. God says you have sinned and God doesn't lie. Verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And I'm just going to say, you can pull the wool over my eyes. It's easily done. But you can't fake it with God. You can't fake it with God. Chapter 2 again picks up on the whole thing about what Jesus' death on the cross does. And notice again the family language, verse 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't sin. But if anybody does sin, if it happens, 
We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And look, uh, did you notice the we in there? John includes himself here. And I'm going to say he includes all Aussies and Poms and Chinese and Malay and Islander. And it, it, everybody's here. And you can see it, really. It's explained there at the end of verse 2. Look at the end of verse 2. And not only our, but for the sins of the whole world. Jesus does that mediation that we need with God the Father. Jesus is our advocate because of the cross. And if you look at the beginning of chapter 2, verse 2, you see it explained there. Jesus is, or tough word, propitiation for our sins. He is the sacrifice which not only cleanses us, but turns away the Father's anger. Jesus, he's the answer to the sin problem. The spotless lamb sacrificed on the world's ultimate Passover, the world's ultimate day of atonement, the one who takes my sin, our sin, and carries it away. And if you say you haven't sinned, then you miss all of that. And you miss as well the life of love that flows from it. The ability now to well keep the commandment of Jesus who said back in John's gospel, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. And as John keeps talking in his letter, he says, look, you can know if you have Jesus, you have the life. Because Jesus did everything that was needed. Believe in Jesus. Believe the family history. Look, guys, I actually want to change your mind this morning. And so does John, really. Um, first, uh, I'm not talking about legends. I'm not talking about philosophies. I'm talking about the real history that's given to us by real eyewitnesses. And second, the history says that we can have a close family bond, fellowship with God the Father. He's light. And if we have darkness, if we have sin, then that can be cleaned out of our lives, your life. Third, the history says that Jesus' death on the cross, Jesus' blood sacrifice cleanses us from our darkness and sin and removes from us God's fierce anger. Well, that's precious, isn't it? And then lastly, if we own up to our darkness and sin, if we confess to God, then he does forgive. It's a promise. And the end result is that you will live in fellowship with the Father and the Son and with the whole family. So what are you going to do this Good Friday? Let me pray. Father, um, thank you. We marvel at what you've done. We do marvel at Jesus, whose sacrifice, a blood sacrifice on the cross, cleanses us from our darkness and sin.
Father, thank you for forgiving and cleansing. Help us to take you at your word and to live like Jesus lives, loving and trusting you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.